Hello and welcome to Crossing the 49th, a cross-border tax and financial planning podcast. I'm your host, Phil Hogan, and today we're going to talk about how to correct under or over withholdings on U.S. pensions. Welcome to the Cross-Border Tax and Financial Planning Podcast with Phil Hogan, where we discuss, demystify, and help break down cross-border issues. Now, here's your host, Phil Hogan. Welcome. Okay, so today we're going to talk about what happens when the custodian of your U.S. pension under or over withholds on your plan. So we see this a lot. So we have clients that receive IRA distributions in Canada. We have clients that receive 401k distributions in Canada. We have uh, clients that receive their U.S. pension, just their general U.S. pension um, into Canada. And technically speaking, um, probably less of an issue if you're a U.S. citizen, but um, the custodian of the plan needs to withhold amounts on the pension payment. So we're going to talk about what happens when pension payments are not properly withheld on. Um, So first, let me just preface this by saying um, this is going to be much less of an issue for U.S. citizens living in Canada. And the reason is, even if they do under or over withhold on your U.S. pensions, there's kind of a self-correcting mechanism on your U.S. 1040 that you file every year regardless. so if, uh, if they don't withhold any money on your U.S. pensions, uh, you'll just pay more tax when you file your U.S. tax return. If, um, if they overwithhold on your U.S. pensions, then uh, you'll simply just get a refund of that amount. So there's kind of a self-correcting mechanism for U.S. citizens living in Canada that file. So, uh, you know, most of this conversation is going to relate to non-residents of the U.S. that don't uh, file U.S. tax returns. And let me also preface this by saying, and we'll talk about this at at the end, it's always important to, before you start taking distributions from your IRA or your your U.S. pensions, that you make sure that they withhold the correct amount. Because if they withhold the correct amount, you don't have to go through all this stuff that we're going to talk about today. So make sure um, that if you're going to be receiving pension money, that you talk to the custodian about what needs to be withheld. Um, And a good idea here, we're going to have, I'll have um, a screencast of the forms that we're going to talk about. And I wrote a long article about this on the blog. So if you just go to philhogan.com, you'll be able to see it here, how to correct under or over withholdings on US IRA or pension payments. And you can follow along in this article if this is um, a topic of of interest. So I'll just have this up here as well. So once again, we're going to talk about non-US individuals receiving US pensions. So this might be an IRA that you're pulling from. This might be a 401k. This might be just a straight US pension. So what does the treaty say on tax withholding? So for non-residents of the US, you should be paying 15% US tax on your US pension. So if you receive um, $100,000 from a US pension, there should be a 15% tax withholding on that pension. That's the final amount of tax. Those would be periodic pension payments. So you receive a monthly payment every month, and let's say the total of those monthly payments add up to $100,000. Each one of those payments needs to be withheld at 15%. Lump sum payments are something different we won't get into, but for periodic payments, there should be a 15% withholding. So if you start receiving your US pension and they withhold 15%, then there shouldn't be any issue with filing a U.S. tax return. You'll tax the amount in Canada. They've already withheld 15%, so you'll get a credit for the 15% U.S. tax you've already paid to the IRS. Uh, Let's say your Canadian rate's 30%, so 30% minus the 15% is 15% Canadian tax. You've already paid 15% to the U.S., therefore 30% is your overall tax. Once again, I say this all the time, but your tax rate on U.S. source income or just any income from a cross-border perspective should just be uh, your Canadian rate in cases where Canadian rates are higher than U.S rates and in a lot of cases that that is the case. So we're going to talk about what happens if the IRS or if the custodian of the account under or over with, with withholds. So first, for those of you, we'll use the example here. So we'll use 
we use the same example. You're receiving a $100,000 pension that might be throughout the year. And in case number one, the custodian withholds 10% or $10,000. In example number two, they withhold 20% or $20,000. So in both those cases, case number one, they've underwithheld. Case number two, they've overwithheld. So what are your options? So really your options are to file a non-resident U.S. tax return. So you file a non-resident 1040NR and we'll show you that here. So 1040NR, and we'll walk through this actually in more detail. So 1040NR, very different than the actual 1040 for uh, U.S. tax residents. So 1040NR, really actually only a couple of pages, and we'll talk about these pages as we go through. Now, in order to file a 1040NR, you're going to need a U.S. tax number. So a lot of clients that actually live down in the U.S. or work down in the U.S. or had green cards, they'll already have a U.S. identification number. For those of you that don't have a U.S. identification number, you're going to need to apply for one at the same time as filing the 1040NR. So we get this question a lot. How do I apply for an ITIN? So an individual tax identification number. It can be quite tricky if you don't file the tax or if you don't file the ITIN application with the tax return. Your chances of getting the ITIN are actually quite low. So we always suggest that file the ITIN uh, application with the tax return. And in this example, this is what we'll do. And how you do that is you file that with form W7. So we're going to walk through this form a little bit. Uh, this is the form that you actually attach to the 1040NR to um, uh, request an ITIN so that you can file the tax return and get a refund or pay extra tax. Now, in most cases, you're not going to need to do this because you're going to get a slip from the IRS that they likely already have your um, your, your ITIN on file. Uh, but if you don't have one, this is how you apply for it. So essentially, and this one's not completed, but in the article, there's one that's completed it on the top section here. So W7 application. So you're going to check here, apply for new ITIN. Down here, you're gonna check uh, non-resident alien, non-resident of the US, filing uh, US tax return. So that's all you need to really complete for the top section here. Then you're gonna get down here, you got your name, your full name, uh, address, you have your date of birth, your country of birth, city or province is optional. I would fill in as much as, this, as you can just to improve your chances of getting it. Gender, countries of citizenship, some people have uh, multiple um, countries of citizenship, foreign tax ID number. So for Canadians, this would be your social insurance number type of visa. If you don't have a U.S. visa, this is just blank. And then you need to attach a piece of identification to the W-7 for it to be valid. The easiest way to add a piece of ID is really just to add a copy of your passport. So you'll have so you see here there's information for the detail of your passport. And we'll move back. We'll, we'll get back onto the passport in a second here. Um, and then a question here about whether you previously re uh, received an ITIN or not. Uh, and then the information about that ITIN, because this is the same application as well for renewing an ITIN. But in this case, that won't be the case. And then some information here that's likely NA and then the signing uh, section down here. So there's two ways of doing this. So one way is to actually get an acceptance agent that can verify your passport, put a copy on the W-7, sign a certification, then you sign the W-7, they sign the W-7, you send it off. That's certainly doable, a little bit more expensive, a little bit more involved. You can actually get a certified copy of your passport at the passport office. So they take a copy, they certify it true. You can attach that to your W-7 and then just sign the W-7 and send it in with a 1040R. So that works almost every time that we've helped clients with that. We're acceptance agents as well, so we can help. But uh, you know, a lot of cases, if clients are just doing the W-7 themselves, as long as they have a certified copy of the passport from the passport office, they should be good to go. Now, of course, the wait times of the passport office are significant. I'm not sure what they are for actually getting certified copies of the passport, but considering 
how many people are having issues with actually getting uh, renewed passports, that might be a big problem. So keep that in mind if you um, if you need some time to, to get it. So let's assume you've completed the W-7, you have your certified copy of the passport, then we're going to move back to the 1040R. So we're going to go through the two examples here. So example number one, underwithheld, and example number two, overwithheld. So we'll walk through here. In most cases, you'll receive a slip from the custodian of the plan. So you'll receive, you would hope you're going to receive a 1042S, which is a um, slip that reports payments to a non-resident of the US. It'll show the amount you received, and then it will show the amount that they withheld and sent to the IRS. And that's what you'll need that slip to file the 1040NR. So let's just walk through the 1040NR in the um, example of a uh, an actual payment that needs to be made. So here we go. You have the W-7 already prepared in, um, so 1040NR. There's only a couple pages here. We'll walk through this in detail. So we have filing status. In a lot of cases, it'll be single. Married filing separately is also an option. I shouldn't say in most cases it'd be single. You're filing a separate tax return per individual. So this individual is single, name, first name, last name. Now this identification number, I've just put ones in here, but you're actually going to put the words applied for, and depending on which tax software you use, it'll be different, but you need to put the words applied for in here because you don't have an individual tax ID number. Um, then it'll show them that you have a W-7 that you've actually attached. Address, I just put the firm's address here. There's a question about crypto, not that relevant, but you want to answer the question um, honestly. So uh, this individual has not sold or holds any financial interest in cryptocurrency. Now you see here, I mean, this 1040NR is not just used for getting refunds or paying amounts of underwithheld for US pensions, of course. I mean, you can, you might file a 1040NR for wages for, um, you know, capital gains on uh, US real estate. But in, in this case, we're simply going to skip down to the second part here, where we're only being taxed on income that's not effectively connected with trader business. This is the second page. I'm going to skip to where these numbers are actually coming from. If you go to schedule NEC, now if you're not going to use software to um, file these returns, you're going to have to actually download each individual form. So I have this in the article, uh, but you're going to have the 1040NR, you're going to have the schedule NEC, and you're going to have um, another schedule uh, OI to, to complete. So schedule N NEC. So what you'll see here is you have a list of income and then specific tax rates. Now, in our case, we have pensions and annuities that we received 100,000. That comes down this column here, and we know it's a 15% rate because that's the rate in the treaty. So they're supposed to pay 15% or $15,000 on that income. So there's the 15,000. That 15,000 comes to the second page of the 1040 in ours. So it shows this is the amount of tax, and it's a little bit weird here because it, it doesn't show the $100,000 of income up here, right? That's what that forms for. $15,000 of tax that you should have paid on the $100,000 of income. Now you don't owe the whole 15,000 because they, they have withheld some amounts. So this 1042S that I was talking about, $10,000 has already been withheld. Therefore, you only owe $5,000. So you would actually file this return, send in $5,000. Now you paid the full 15. Now we'll talk about what happens when you um, need to get a credit in Canada for the amount that you paid. Now, if you're filing this yourself, you just sign this. If you have an individual that's helping you file a return, the preparer would also sign the 1040NR. Okay, so that's, that's how you complete the actual calculations for the tax. I'm walking through this really quickly. This is, you know, likely a lot more complex, especially if you have other sources of income, but just to get you a general sense of how to get these refunds and payments in. Now, there's a an other information form that's really important to complete for the 1040NR. I'm not going to get into real detail about this, uh, but I'll just point out some important uh, sections of this uh, of, of this page or this form. So really just information about immigration status and, and citizenship. In this case, this individual was never a U.S. person, never a green card holder or, or a citizen. 
These boxes down here are really important. To the extent that you actually travel to the US quite a bit, you might run into a situation where you um, are in the US uh, so much that you're considered a resident under the, um, the substantial presence test. And if you're a resident under the substantial presence test, you're gonna have to file additional forms. So I won't get into the details of what that means and how you do it, although I actually have a calculator that we're producing for the uh, website. Look out for not only the calculators, but what that means for individuals that are crossing back and forth and spending lots of time in the US. But if you reach the substantial presence test, and that's the point of these boxes here, you might be considered a tax resident. So that's why they're asking these questions. Um, some more questions about prior year tax returns that you filed, um, and then some treaty elections on income that may or may not be taxed in the US. Uh, so once again, just generally speaking um, about this form, but it is a very important form to complete. If you have questions, feel free to send me an email, but this one has to be uh, completed and filed with the form as well. Okay, so this is the example of $100,000 pension payment. They underwithheld. Now you have to pay an extra $5,000 of tax to the IRS to make up for that 15%. Now, what happens in cases where they overwithhold? So here's the same situation, same taxpayer, your tax is still the same amount. You still owe $15,000 to the US. However, the holder of the plan withheld 20%. So they withheld $5,000 more than they should have. So you don't wanna pay that extra $5,000 to the IRS, of course. So you have a refund now of $5,000. So in both cases, you paid the same amount of tax overall, $15,000 to the IRS, or just the withholding was different. So you send this in, $5,000 with the W-7. Now, once again, you would wanna e-file this if possible, because the, uh, the wait times are really significant for paper file returns, but that might not be an option if you don't have an I-10 already. So $5,000 refund, same thing here, $100,000, 15% tax. And then of course, um, schedule uh, OI. Only difference between these two is the amount of withholdings. On the first one, they underwithheld 5,000. On the second one, they overwithheld 5,000. Now you receive the, um, the refund. Okay, so let's talk about now what that means on the Canadian side. So in both cases, you paid $15,000 of tax to the US, final tax to the US on your US pension payment. Now, the pension payment also, because you're not filing a, a regular US tax return, you're only filing the 1040NR. If they withheld the appropriate 15%, you wouldn't have to file anything. So on the Canadian side, that $100,000 has to be reported as a straight income. So $100,000 of income, and let's assume that your tax rate in Canada is 30%. So you pay 30% tax on the $100,000, the $100,000 pension payment, but you've already paid 15% to the US. So if you didn't do anything further, you pay 30% plus 15, you pay 45% tax on the $100,000 pension payment, which is a huge amount of tax. And certainly people pay 45% tax overall, uh, but you'd have to be at a pretty high income level for that. So most people in retirement are not. And of course, what you wanna do is claim a credit in Canada for the 15%. So you pay 30% tax already on the, uh, or $30,000 on the Canadian side. Then you take the 15% tax you paid to the US as a credit against Canadian tax. So that's now leaves you a net 15% tax Canadian. You've already paid the 15% tax in the US. Of course, 15, 15, 30% tax overall um, instead of 45. So that's how that would look either under a situation where they overheld, withheld, underwithheld, or just simply withheld the appropriate 15% um, tax. So I thought it was important to do this because we see, I mean, we see under and over withholdings a lot for our US. Um, clients, 
not such a big deal because we'll just get these refunds on the 1040s when we do them. But I also get these questions a lot from individuals that are receiving their pensions from the first time in the US and they haven't either asked about withholdings or they haven't done the appropriate forms, uh, which the custodian should be asking them. So, so what will happen is uh, before they make a payment, and it's not just pension payments, it can be dividend payments as well. But if you're making a payment from US account or US pension to a Canadian resident, you're going to have to fill out or you sh you hope that they ask you to fill out um, a W-8 form. A W-8 form, essentially all it does, it just outlines the uh, treaty country you're in and the rate of tax that they need to withhold. So under Article 18 of the US-Canada uh, Treaty outlines how pensions should be taxed cross border. So under the treaty, under Article 18, 15% tax, you would put that on your W-8 uh, Ben, which is the name of the form, that gets sent to the custodian. Now they know to withhold 15% tax um, so that they don't either under or over withhold on the accounts. Now we've had cases where it doesn't matter whether you send in W-8 Ben or not, they're just going to withhold 30% and that's common. So we do quite a few of these um, 1040 and ours. I have a couple clients, we do them every year because for some reason the custodian doesn't want to withhold 15%. That's why I'm always a big advocate of just moving the IRAs up with a firm that can just do cross-border investments because then they, they'll know to do the 15% and you won't have additional 1040 and ours because you know these, these forms might seem simple on the surface, but you know, they, they take a lot to do and they can be quite expensive if you're getting a, you know, a, a tax firm to do them. So in conclusion here, we have, you know, a few points that we really want to drive home. If you haven't received your pension payments yet from the U.S., make sure you ask the custodian how much they're going to withhold. And hopefully they ask you for a W-8 Ben. You could even just send that down to them. Because if you do that and they withhold 15%, not an issue. You won't have to file this 1040-NR. If you're already a U.S. person, it's nice for them to withhold a you know, specific 15%. But your rate might actually be lower than that. It will never be more than that because under the treaty, it cannot be more than 15%. So we would adjust for that on the tax return anyways. But if, it, if you do run into a situation where they over or under withhold, here's the solution, right? You have your 1040 NRE file. If you have an ITIN, great, use that. If you don't have an ITIN, W7 is how you apply for the ITIN. Um, and once again, do that well ahead of time because the passport office is busy. If you need a certified copy of your passport, it can be really, really tricky. So hopefully that's helped anybody that's run into this situation of over or under withholding. Once again, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but if you haven't subscribed, please do so. A uh, great way to um, be updated when we have new content on the channel. Once again, thanks to everybody for their support um, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Cross-Border Tax and Financial Planning Podcast. For recaps of this show and more information on how to reach Phil Hogan, please visit crossborderpros.net or hutchison.ca. Please note that the information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be constituted as professional advice.